0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Purposely Local, when we feature the why of founders and amazing brands that are getting and getting in the new world of local. So, this is not about speaking about the how or the what of your product. This is going to be about the why. This is going to be the reason and the purpose of all these different founders and brands that are reaching and working in the world of local so today i have the pleasure to be speaking with connor esterphone who is the founder of old spy garnish connor and i actually met in person a few times because he goes to a farmer's market near my house here in jersey city where we actually one day i was walking around and i'm personally very very fan of oatmeals in general and when i saw in the farmer's market that it was a space and it was someone selling oatmeals i was like oh my god this is great whatever so i literally went in said to him you know i kind of want to try it and i became a fan so that's why i decided to bring connor so he can talk about the reasons why he actually built this amazing Old Spy Garnish brand that you will find out more in a minute. So, welcome, Connor.
1: Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Awesome, Connor. So, let's start a little bit with your heritage and where are you coming from? And maybe let's talk about your childhood. How was your childhood here? Where are you coming from? And maybe, will you tell me a little bit about your story? Think about what was that moment where you started thinking about. What do you want it to be
1: when you were going to grow? I'm from a small town in West Jersey, super quiet. Both my parents grew up in New Jersey and I grew up in a, a very family oriented uh, space that was revolved a lot, a lot around food. It kind of comes from my father's Italian side. So food and family go hand in hand. Um, I've, loved food and making food from uh, a very young age i'd have to say that just sunday mornings uh with my father making gravy um was kind of that first introduction to you know using a knife right and getting my hands dirty and and trying to be a part of the process and i remember that kind of always sticking with me as i got older it was very natural to go from a Situation of in-home cooking and and helping everybody out to well, what's my first gonna my first job gonna be? It might as well be in a kitchen, right? And that's kind of how my journey started. Was at the age of fifteen, I believe, I started as a dishwasher, and very quickly within the first three or four months of that job, had an opportunity to jump on the line and start cooking.
0: How was socially that for you? Like, uh, I can imagine like you know, you being like a 15-year-old teenager in New Jersey, like saying, hey, you know, I want to work in the kitchen. I want to be working around food. How was that with your friends?
1: Amazing question, because honestly, at that point in my life, it wasn't something I was uh, outwardly proud of, I would say, to to tell people that, like, I loved cooking. It was very crafty and artsy, which I always was, but I also played a lot of sports. And so I kind of, Balance these two things where I loved you know, being a part of art class and creating food. and uh, But I also played football and baseball and track. And so it wasn't exactly something that I would go around saying, oh, my dream is to cook. I remember even when I started applying for colleges and I wanted to go to culinary school, I didn't necessarily approach my friends and say, this is what I want to do. Like, I'm so excited for this, knowing that everybody would be as excited as I was for it. I just kind of kept it uh, super low-key.
0: And when was that moment that you started communicating to the rest of the world that you wanted to be working around food?
1: I think more through college of just being integrated with a group of people who were so submersed in this culture and having professors that were adults who maybe played sports as well and did other things other than cooking that made me really realize that yes it's a very unique crowd very crafty but we it made me fit in i I felt like that was my space and these people were uh you know and, and then before i knew it through college and posting pictures of food and through my different jobs that i had a lot of people started reaching out more and more and just saying oh that looks so good that food looks amazing and I'd have to say that was probably the peak of kind of uh, the exciting food posts on Instagram and social media, right? Where 2014, 2015, when that started to become more popular too. So having a, a really delicious looking piece of food on Instagram was cooler than when I was in high school. I didn't think it was back then.
0: Do you remember anything that maybe, you know, if, if it wasn't a specific experience that you did or something that you share that actually clicked. make that trigger of you shifting from, you know, starting to share more about that you were going to be potentially a chef or something like that. Like, is is there was something that, any story that you remember or something that you did that maybe created a reaction into someone or a group of people or your family? Uh, Do you have any stories that you remember from those days that make
1: that change in your life? I think more when I... But a little bit when I was at my first job in high school, towards the end of it, maybe I wasn't comfortable sharing it, you know, aggressively with everybody that this is what I wanted to do. But there was head chefs there who and the owner who all went to the same college that I wanted to go to, the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park. And that was, to me, started to become people that I looked up to. And it kind of triggered this. Look at this, this poise that they have about them and this control in a chaotic environment. And it can be competitive. It can be exciting and exhilarating. And all of these things that you had to kind of control to end up putting beauty on a plate and serve it, those moments to me with those chefs taught me like that I started to compare it to football, which to me was the... I knew I wasn't going to go to college for it, but my whole life revolved around sports like football. And so I started to kind of make that comparison of competitiveness and that drive that you have to have and the sweat and how hardworking it can be to do these things. And I, I think my mind started to trigger then that this is really cool. And this is this is cooler than I thought it was.
0: Wow, that's beautiful. That you you're making a, a connection between football and food, you know. Can you elaborate more on that? Like how do you see the, you know, yourself as a, as a football player and then yourself as a chef, what these two people have in common and why are you making this connection? I'm very interesting. I'm
1: very intriguing about this. So from a very young age, I had massive fear of a leadership. I always kind of had that feeling that it was something that I could do, but I was so fearful to take control of it and kind of own that feeling and uh, more, I think, for failure of just if i mess up i'm the leader it's my fault it took me a long time to get over that and i think that journey of getting over that fear and by the time i was uh junior senior in high school i was the quarterback of the football team and that to me was like the perfect correlation to running a kitchen and being the head chef i would say during those years i was also a line cook and so i immediately started to kind of compare well i'm a line cook so i'm just a player on the team but I would much rather be the head chef. And that ultimately has led me to where I am today too. It really is a full circle that I need to, I feel much more satisfied owning my own business and, and being in control and being a leader than I do kind of following suit and just uh, following somebody else in charge. And and I mean, that's, that's my best comparison of the two is it kind of played itself out between my entire career as a football player. And then that fear actually set in early on as a chef as well, where it was easier to follow suit and really nerve wracking to say, I want to run this kitchen or I want to be the head of this kitchen, but it kind of ended up becoming that way. So, Do you, That's amazing. Do you still play football? Uh, I don't. I wish I did. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm not that old, but my body would not be able to take that anymore.
0: No. <laughs> no. Okay. Do you remember when was the first time that you cooked something for a bunch of people or maybe to a group of people and you got like a super amazing reaction and you say, wow, yeah, I'm good at this. Do you remember that
1: moment? I think I have two kind of distinct differences in mind for those moments of one being my family where I'm one of seven kids. So I was cooking for nine people. So If it was a family dinner night, that was just as exhilarating or crazy as being in a kitchen when you're 13, 14, 15 years old, and you're saying, hey, I'm going to cook everybody dinner. Everybody's hungry. Everybody's yelling at you, and you're in charge. Obviously, you would hope the best support from your family. I always got great feedback, and that was always amazing, right? But you do kind of think in the back of your mind, well, they are my family. I just made them dinner for five hours. I don't think they're going to tell me it's bad. I'm not going to come back and do this again. (laughs) So... I think later on, it really started to become in school where it wasn't necessarily a large group of people or a large family, but I really felt solidified in what I was doing when we have these tests called practicals, where you're cooking under the microscope and a time frame scheduled out. Everything has to be perfect the way that these Master chefs have created it for for years and years that this is the way this plate is supposed to come out. And when I started to succeed at those at a a very high levels, when I felt like this is something that I was more or less just made to do, it came very naturally to me. I didn't feel like it was that difficult, but it did struggle. A lot of people did struggle during those practicals. And that honestly, more than anybody telling me they love their food was like a solidifying factor of like you can cook.
0: So uh, interesting. So I, I thought about something I will ask you later. But so you said your first job was as a dishwasher, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you, you mentioned that. But so how was that first job? Do you remember? Can you tell me anything about when you started there? And then I was very curious to know when was the first job that you had as the, actually cooking, not as a dishwasher specifically?
1: I love that job. I mean, the culture of the kitchen was immediately present. It was right in your face. This is what it's like to work in a kitchen, family oriented. Everybody knows everybody, you joke around, you have a good time. It really was two or three months after washing dishes that I I ended up doing both jobs because I was only able to cook on the weekends. It was a strictly kind of breakfast brunch place. So I could only cook on Saturdays and Sundays and I was washing dishes on the weekdays. But after two or three months of being there, my brother was the one who got me the job. He's a couple years older than me. And there was a chef who just didn't show up one day. And my brother, again, me being fear based on, uh, I'm not gonna say anything, you know, I would love to do it, but I'm not gonna say anything. He threw me right under the bus immediately and just said, oh, my brother likes to cook it. Like tell him to go try it. And I mean, it was amazing culture that this, maybe in his sixties owner, he was from Switzerland, very very cold but very fun to work around super professional and he was just like, yeah, okay, sure. so I got thrown in there they told me what to do and it was uh, pretty much after that I just fell in love with it and I said, how can I learn I believe there was four positions on the line including the head chef and I said, I want to learn every position like this is fun, but I want to do them all now. that was my experience there was honestly amazing. I learned so much and it it took me pretty much straight through to college.
0: Okay. And how the idea of, of making overnight oats or oat meals came into your mind? I mean, because I understand after having all this family-oriented kind of uh, Italian chef and then, you know, going into these experiences of a dishwasher, understanding the culture of the restaurant, how you ended up working with oat meals?
1: I'd say it definitely doesn't make sense uh, directly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I, I think my... My love for sports transitioned into like a love for health foods as I got older. And then the lifestyle of a chef is you have no time for anything and you never want to eat either. You're constantly around food. You might eat a meal or two a day. As much as I love the heat and I loved working in the kitchen and the stress is something that you honestly get excited about. It eventually became to this point where I needed something refreshing and something new and something that wasn't that environment for me personally. And i kind of wanted to build something that was useful to me and i also have a partner in the business and he has a similar busy lifestyle and our thing was always well what were you always told growing up right never skip breakfast and what what do you always skip you always skip breakfast no matter how many times somebody tells you and we just wanted to make that easier we saw on the market that there's you know dry ingredients that you can make yourself but you're still going to skip breakfast. If you can't buy the the oats themselves, right, you're still going to skip it. And uh, for us, that was kind of the heart of the start of the business was a health food that brought in a, a chef's taste where we wanted texture. We wanted, you know, layers. We wanted beauty. We wanted to really highlight every part that went into this product because that's kind of my background of something that is crafted and artsy was sort of my touch to it. And having something that was convenient and healthy was sort of made it well-rounded.
0: It's incredible that I'm hearing you describing Oats Pie Garnish and, and I'm really tasting exactly what you're saying in words is what you taste. And I can tell you as an example of someone that have tasted your meals is it's exactly what you're describing is you couldn't be more precise.
1: <laughs> Thank you. It's it, <laughs> It was. It definitely wasn't easy. And like I said, I I love that we are definitely different and we stand out. And that's everything that we've always wanted to be: was different, stand out, and something that changes this fast, easy breakfast that's also really easy to get boring. It happens much faster than you'd expect. You're you're so used to your yogurt and granola, but it just gets boring. And we want to keep that fun.
0: Yeah, that was going to be kind of the question that I was going to ask you: why? I mean, I understand the breakfast a space, but why not yogurt, cereal? There's so many other things. Why do you decide to go with oats instead of the other categories?
1: We really wanted to focus on the movement that's going on in the world, which is plant-based products. And I'm not personally vegan or fully plant-based, but I do integrate it into my everyday lifestyle when I can and for us creating something new, we figured, why would we go backwards and work with something that is old and outdated or something that is not going to be used in the next five to 10 years? And we wanted to be a part of that movement. So Oatmeal for us was Well, we have this opportunity to create texture, it is still a very trendy product where Overnight Oats have have still been kind of out there on social media of new recipes, new ways to build it, new ways to make it, new flavors. And for us, the plant-based concept kind of went perfect and sustainability. We really focus on a, a sustainable ingredient, which is oats. And for us, we might have future products that come out, but we want to revolve everything around something as sustainable as it is.
0: Yeah, that's. I mean, that feels so real from you because I like that you're saying that you're not fully plant-based, you're not fully vegan or vegetarian or anything like that, but you really believe in the product. Ironically, most people say, oh yeah, but he's not vegan, he's not plant-based, but he's creating a plant-based product. But no, that's really more human for you to say that because... I think, it, and it's actually a very interesting approach into the future as well. I mean, because I relate a lot into that as well. I mean, I'm not fully plant-based. I'm not fully vegan or anything like that, but I enjoy eating plant-based stuff, like incorporating that on my diet. And I and I also went to a similar path as you did with my health as well. Like, you know, I started doing intermittent fasting four years ago. I lost a lot of weight. I feel way better with eating these type of products, but I am not necessarily fully vegan. I mean, I, I had a piece of meat last Sunday with my uncle and my family. But then, you know, the next morning I'm having your overnight oatmeal. I think that's also part of uh, to be more human and to have like a more realistic journey, right?
1: Yeah. Our, our original push was if we can implement one meal a day, that's plant-based to people, what's the easiest thing? Well, you might eat cereal, you might eat yogurt and granola, and you might not realize it, but if you just bought a coconut yogurt or a dairy-free yogurt and you implement granola, or if you eat cereal and you use an almond milk, you are eating a plant-based breakfast. You might not recognize it as that, right, as a a whole complete plant-based meal. So that's one meal out of your three meals or four meals in a day that is plant-based. And so we said, well, can we create something that's a little more substantial and a little bit more handed to you so you don't have to think about a thing and we do not push that you have to be plant-based or vegan to eat this product we are inclusive of everybody you know we are gluten-free we are dairy-free and we are vegan but we want everybody to feel comfortable eating this and say this is delicious and i'm not plant-based i'm not vegan i'm not gluten-free i'm not dairy-free but we are now actually taking your daily diet and implementing one single vegan or plant-based meal into your day. And if we can do that, it can make a huge difference going forward in the way that we process foods and sustainability for, for the, entire, the entire globe. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. I was going to say, I'm going to break my own rule of not talking a little bit about the what, but in your case, I want I really <laughs> want to make the connection between what you said before about why you create this product, the different layers of things when I eat your Old Spice Garnish. So, can you go a little bit more in details of the different flavors that you have? You know, because I mean, you guys have amazing flavor, things that I haven't tasted before that are different than anything that I've seen before. So can you elaborate a little more on your different flavors and how do you make them too? Like, and, and the different ingredients that you put there, because I know there's very rich and a lot of ingredients in each of your different products.
1: Yes. Yeah, so I'll give you a why so that it there you go. I was taught at a very young age, cooking with my grandfather, flavor steps. He always said, flavor steps, flavor steps, flavor steps. And for us, That's kind of where we base everything from, is these steps of flavor that can create something in every bite, right? So that you're having an experience. It might not be a five-star Michelin meal that every single thing, it's just breakfast, right? So it's simple, but we wanted to take something simple and give it that chef elegance. So... We have a strawberry basil flavor, and that comes from just a a lovely combination of kind of a sweet and savory concept, where basil is normally used with a savory item. Strawberries can be very sweet. And for us, that combination is really fun, refreshing, very spring and vibrant. So we like to connect these flavors that either we've connected before in the kitchen, or that we've experienced in our life through flavor profiles of desserts or um, or again, something savory maybe. So we have a, an almond date with a, kind of a chai-spiced almonds and a, and a date puree. And it's got this very rich, deep flavor, and it's complex. It's, it's as simple as it can get. It's just a, a house-made almond butter with dates. But every bite, you kind of get a new spice from it with the cardamom. One of our newer flavors that we actually haven't even launched yet is London Fog. And that's going to be with a Earl Grey tea as kind of our base. And we paired that with apricots, dried apricots. It was something that was more natural. It just was, okay, well, we wanna introduce some fruit into this. We like to have a well-rounded bowl for every flavor we create. So we like to kind of have a backbone flavor to it, but then there's always nuts and seeds involved for nutritional value but they have to make sense and so you're going to see a little macadamia nut on that bowl that's going to tie everything together but that that apricot sauce on the bottom really pairs with the orange flavors that come through on the Earl Grey tea and so we really look at every flavor like a chef's point of view if we're creating your your Michelin star breakfast bowls
0: i love what you say about michelin star breakfast i think you should <laughs> definitely use that in your marketing
1: I just did. So thanks to you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. There you go. So what I I mean, everyone always thinks running your own business is something that is amazing and entrepreneurs and whatever, and people talk about it and this is amazing. But very few people understand all the challenges that you are passing, you know, behind you. So what are your current challenges today? What is stopping you to accomplish that purpose and
1: those whys that you're trying to do now? I think we constantly run into hurdles. It's definitely, it's a blessing to have these opportunities to do this. I love every day of what I do, but we run into problems every single day, something new. If it's once a day, that's fine. It's for us right now, we are working on testing for for shelf life. You know, we created a product that was meant to be consumed by people within a short period of time because we didn't wanna use preservatives. We wanted it to be really fresh. And we are starting to find new natural ways to hopefully hold the shelf life longer than it is right now. But we started dropping these off at friends and family's houses when we first started and just said, okay, can we make a great product and something that somebody will throw in their fridge and eat within the next three, four five days, right? So we didn't really think about all of the steps that would go into, well, do you wanna be on a grocery store shelf? What are the limitations there? Do you wanna ship 48 in a box instead of four or 10 in a box? And so that's our biggest hurdle right now. It's something that's gonna come with time and testing, but we have grown a lot since we started this where Again, I came from the prepared foods industry of cooking and, and being a chef and plating foods, not a manufacturing uh, processed foods. So it's a, a whole different ballgame for me personally, but I, I learn something new every day and, and we take that knowledge. And honestly, we, we try to roll that into creating something better. Awesome.
0: Great, Connor. So how can people find you? How can people find your products and where can they taste your amazing oatmeal?
1: So if you're lucky enough to live around Jersey City or Hoboken, we sell at Mod Cup Coffee and Mojo Coffee to two of their locations. And those you can find on our website, which we also sell our oats directly to your home through delivery. It's www.oatsbygarnish.com. And you can find us on Instagram at oats underscore by underscore garnish. And... Right now we are doing home delivery boxes of four and uh, you can find extra flavors on our website as well compared to the coffee shops. But if you find us, we're um, sorry, we're also at the Good Smart in New York City as well, two of their locations. So you can find us there. And again, those locations are posted on our site too. Awesome,
0: Connor. thank you very much for your time. Anything else that you want to share that I didn't ask you that you want the world to know about you or about your brand?
1: nothing other than go and buy some oats and and enjoy something new enjoy some new flavors treat yourself a little bit and uh yeah that's that's all i've got
0: awesome thank you very much for your time thank you for being in purposely local
1: of course thanks for having me